Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And in studio, we have our colleague, relatively new to Forrester, but you've been here a couple months now, so you don't feel that new anymore, Angelina Jenis. Hi, Angelina. Hi. And we wanted to take this episode to introduce our listeners to our newest CX analyst. So, Angelina, to help our listeners get to know you, tell us about riding horses. No, just kidding. Uh, So, Angelina, to help our listeners get to know you, tell us a little bit about your background and how that leads to what you're going to be covering and writing about. Well, I will start with the fact that I am coming in to cover CX culture. I feel like the road of my career has led up to this because uh, (laughs) I actually started in academic research, researching demographics and looking at retirement. And we actually were sponsor funded, which means we looked a lot into how companies could help people on the road to retirement. From there, I went to Sapient, known now as Publicis Sapient, where I was an experienced strategist and worked with companies to do digital transformations, service and product design. So got to see the ins and outs of a lot of different companies, industries, and really wanted to go back to that long form research a little bit. So coming here was kind of like coming home a little bit. Yes, this is a complete compliment from an analyst. You are passionate about research and like feel like you really like yeah. to get into the research. We've noticed that and appreciated that since you've joined Forrester. Okay, so great. That, that makes sense about your background. Where are you focusing to start? What are some of your early reports going to be? No pressure on you whatsoever about when they'll be out. Oh, I am so <laughs> excited to talk about this because I've been talking with CX leaders about this. We are taking a look at successful CX executives. So chief customer officers, chief experience officers, SVPs, etc. to understand what they are doing now. This was a career that was founded relatively recently in the past couple decades. A lot of these people are in this role and it's their first CX role because they came from maybe a CMO or even a CIO background. So I'm speaking with these CX leaders to understand what are their philosophies and having a lot of great candid conversations, some so candid that honestly not all of it's going to end up in the report. <laughs> right, right. So you're, Can it end up on the podcast though? Yeah, what? right. <laughs> what is this we're hearing? Are you functioning as their therapists? I mean, is it cathartic for them? I'm asking questions and then they are turning around and asking me questions on what I've heard from other CX leaders. So what I've realized is a lot of these leaders feel very isolated in their positions as the visionaries for CX. And they're not really convinced that anyone else is doing what they're doing, even in other organizations. For example, I spoke with someone who represents a national restaurant chain, and he said that someone in the similar restaurant chain who had the same job description as him, her day-to-day was very different from his. So they feel like they're a bit on an island, and they're very curious as to what everyone else's teams look like, where they sit in the organization. So, I mean, it's good to hear because then that just kind of accelerates the research. There's clearly a need for this right. research right. as well. So easy, right? So people can understand what some best practices are, how they're learning from others. I'm curious, and I don't know how far you are in the research if you can answer this question yet, but do you think the reason why their jobs are so different is because they're sort of new to this role, it didn't exist before, so each of them is sort of making it up as they go in different directions? Yeah. Well, 
not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back here, but I think the CX maturity has a big deal mm -hmm. with this. So they go in maybe not even knowing what the maturity of their firm is, and they have to shape their role around that. Another thing is who their CEO is, even what their relationship with their CEO has a huge effect on what they end up doing and what they're able to accomplish. And then there's some differences between B2B and B2C. So we're making sure we're talking to you know, representatives from both and different industries, but fewer differences than you'd expect. And when you talk about the relationship with the CEO, is it about that person's orientation or belief in CX? Or what are the factors that are the variables of the CEO in terms of how it impacts the CX leader's role? In some ways, everyone I've spoken to, their CEOs do believe in CX and the value of CX because in order for them to have the job, they need to have <laughs> right. somebody. Someone. <laughs> they are a big line item in many cases. <laughs> but um, on the other hand, there are CEOs who really will, the words of these CCOs, get in front of me, be the first line of defense when the other executives don't believe in what I'm doing, really set the vision and live what they're telling others to do. And then there are others that say, I'm really busy with my stakeholders and I need you to kind of take the lead on this. It seems like you've got the practical expertise. Why don't you just run with this? So there's a couple different relationships you could have with your CEO. Okay. So we talked about CX leaders as mm -hmm. one of your active areas of research. Is there another one that you're working on at the same time that, that that's not taking up a lot of your time? Well, closely related is gaining executive alignment around CX mm. transformations. Obviously, there's some overlap there, but then we've kind of netted out in this weird place where realistically, people don't really know where they stand in terms of getting executive alignment. People actually haven't assessed themselves to see where do I stand in gaining executive alignment. So for example, I think I've got the C-suite on my side on this, but I actually didn't get them to agree to actually do something. I didn't give them a job to do in this. Or I had them for a while and then I lost it. Someone switched out in leadership. There was something else that happened and now I have to work at it again. Or a third common one is I was able to convince this one leader who really likes charts and numbers, but I haven't convinced this other leader because apparently they really like storytelling. So there's all mm. these different factors to gaining executive alignment that really boils down to how much do you know about yourself and being honest with yourself about how you can gain that alignment. It's a great insight, the idea that how can you know how to get executive alignment if you don't know to what degree you have it to begin with or right, not, right. or how it's changed since you last sort of did a pulse check on that. That's also an interesting topic too. Needing a change agent to really evangelize and make the case for it is still necessary. Right. And I know we get a ton of questions about, you know, well, I have this purview now, but am I empowered to make change? Do people actually get it? Am I going to put an idea in front of someone and they're just going to say, no, sorry, that doesn't align with the priority I already had in place. Right. So it sounds like this could be addressing that, which would be great. As you also said too, to be a change agent, you have to know what's in you to enact mm -hmm. that change as well. And what's extra interesting that kind of ties both together is there are some leaders that are combating this struggle with alignment by actually taking on more and more responsibility. So while we do know mm -hmm. there are chief customer experience officers who are visionaries and don't own anything and are trying to set the culture change, there are others that are taking CXO, CMO, even CXO, CMO plus CIO in one case to have enough control at the table so that they can set the agenda. And they still have time to be a visionary, which is impressive when they're doing all of that. Yeah. We'll see. So one final question. Yep. What is a fun fact about yourself 
That you have an accent. Yeah. Oh, I do, actually do your, do your accent. On I can't the mic. it's your voice. Sorry, I can do quite a few British accents, uh, depending on region. All right. Well, wait. Should we start? Should I we was have, just going to. Do you have a report that is coming out soon? Yes, coming out of left field is actually a report on employee personas. Really, just a one hundred and one on who's doing employee personas, why they're doing them, why they're valuable. Great. Yes, in the employee experience research, I've been doing this as a question. I've been getting asked over and over again by clients: Do we need to do them? How do we do them? Really, do we need to do them? Please don't tell us that we have to do them. All right, fine, we'll do them. How do we do them? So I'm really excited that this research is coming out. Listeners, that's our new analyst, Angelina. We're excited to have you on the team writing about culture, writing about CX executives and executive alignment and everything else. So we will post links to your bio and some of your upcoming research in the show notes for this episode. And we'll talk to everyone on next week's CX Cast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.